do a prayer following. John 6, beginning at verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. This is the word of God for the people of God. Pray with me. God, I ask that your words today would be the words that come forward from me, that I would be out of the way and you would stand in this place. Heavenly Father, I know that your words are transforming your life and your heart and who you are, unmistakably, forever, ingrained through your word in Scripture and through the word written in our heart. So I'm asking that you would come alive in us this morning, remind us who you are, and remind us there is a place where you are found and seen, and here it is today. May you be manifested now. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. We have a very interesting scenario that happened during the time of Christ feeding 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two small fish. Now, he also fed 4,000, and we'll talk a little bit about both of the different feedings of the multitude that Jesus did But these are the only recorded multiple feedings of a mass group that happened during the time of Jesus' ministry. Now, in the Old Testament, you'll read of manna every day and quail, all those different things that God did to feed the multitude. But here is a group of people that have been with Jesus for three days. Quite a long time. And the reason they're with Him, you may not know. But... He had been teaching and healing, and the word spread. And the word spread such in that small area that they began to bring all of the sick people and the broken people, the lame, the blind, if you will, the halt, uh, all those people who were um, considered outcasts. Jesus healed them all. And they followed Him. And they kept following Him. Because they could now walk. Because they could now hear. Because they could now see. Because they could see the kingdom of God was coming and Jesus was ushering it in. And they wanted to be a part of it. 
There was an excitement, if you will. And Jesus tells the disciples in another gospel that they had not eaten for three days. He also says this, They've borne with me. They've travailed with me for three days and have not eaten. Now, maybe you say, well, that's a long time to not eat. But I'm thinking that Jesus was in the grave three days and He travailed there before He was resurrected. Maybe there's another connection here. That it was three days that they were with Him. I don't know about you, but 5,000 people around me for three days, it's going to be kind of a complicated scenario when you have no town nearby. No restroom. Hello? They don't have porta-potties, you know. Porta-johns out there. They don't have any way of doing that except for the way they've always done it in the woods. In the wilderness. But here it tells us in the two different feedings that, that it's a place that's not inhabited. It's mountainous there. And Jesus has brought them there and most of the people who came were sick or brought by people who were bringing sick people. As I said, those folks were the poor folks. And you might say, well, how do you know? Because when Jesus asked for some food, they provided barley loaves. You go, well, okay, barley loaves made out of bread, wheat, whatever. Doesn't matter. I'll take, you know, leavened, unleavened. I'm hungry. I don't care what it is. Barley loaves are what were offered in each of the feedings. Barley loaves are what the poor folks ate. They didn't rot as quick, needed less water and less time to prepare than the wheat. Also, it's also near the time of Passover. And Passover is the time of the year when the barley harvest happens. So most likely, not only were the folks who weren't wealthy eating barley, but those who might have been who didn't have access to funding for wheat bread. So the barley bread was what was presented. And isn't it interesting that barley bread is also what they ate during Passover? Maybe there's just a connection there and it's just not intentional. But I don't think God ever, ever does anything unintentionally. I think there's purpose. So we have folks, and the reason I say they're poor, one of the reasons is because they're not healthy and those who are not healthy can't work so therefore they have to provide uh, a living by begging or relying on somebody else now I don't know a whole lot of rich people out there begging if you know what I mean not a lot of homeless people going this is the best life ever I'm wealthier than you know most people I know unless all they know is other folks begging but what we find is that Jesus sees them and has compassion on them because they haven't eaten. And after three days, he's now getting ready to send them away. He and the disciples have plans, believe it or not, to get on the boat and go across the Sea of Galilee to another location. This is the plan. But he says to the disciples, I can't send them away without something to eat. They will faint on the journey. I cannot do that. I will not let someone suffer in my presence if I can do anything about it. And so when he says that, he says, okay, disciples, feed them. (laughs) 
I, th- I still think that's one of the greatest lines. I have compassion on the people. You go feed them. Almost sounds like um, sometimes uh, uh, some of my children will say, I'm hungry, Dad. Get me something to eat. Instead of cooking yourself <laughs> type thing. But as they've gotten older, they cook it themselves. Or order it themselves. But it's true, isn't it? So, so Jesus already knows what He's going to do in each of these situations. Even scripture even says He already knows what He's going to do. But He still tells the disciples to feed Him and they go looking <laughs> in the money bag. Isn't that where we look first when we want to eat? And He says 200 days wages isn't enough to feed so they can have a little bit. And they go searching some more and He said, well, we found a little boy here. Five Loaves of bread and two small fish. I'm thinking small. I don't know how big small is to you, but to me that's small. To some folks that might be, no, this is a small fish. I don't know. But to me that's a small fish, about 10 inches long or so. And uh, they say that this really can't help a lot. And Jesus says, hmm, looks like enough. Have them sit down and let's eat. And the distribution happens. And they all eat. Now, this being a feeding of the 5,000, this would have been before the feeding of the 4,000, which happens later. But with the feeding of the 5,000, they all eat and have enough. Clearly says in the Scripture that they were stuffed. That's the King James Version modified. They ate until they could eat no more, both bread and fish. It's interesting to compare this to a couple chapters later, if you're looking at the story in Mark uh, 6, in Mark 8 is when they feed the 4,000. This time they don't go uh, seven loaves of bread and a few fish isn't enough. They don't say that. They know what Jesus can do. So they just look for, we just have a few. Here's a, you, this is all you need, Jesus, just a little bit. We got enough. You got five. They only had five the next time, uh, seven, excuse me, um, of loaves of bread the second time when they fed 4,000 and a few, a few more fish. So they actually had more and fed less. But they knew that Jesus could take a little bit, bless it, and it would feed a multitude. But this first time, this is the one we're looking at today. They didn't really know. And so they distribute it. And when everybody is full, he says this. And I, I like this. He says, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. The fragments being the bread that nobody has eaten because they're too full to eat more. Now, I don't know about you. But if I haven't eaten for three days, I'm going to eat more than just a portion. I'm going to probably eat as much as I can. And if food keeps coming around, I'm going to keep eating it and eating it. And if the fish is good, which sometimes fish isn't so good, I'm going to keep eating it until I can't eat anymore. My limit of how much I can eat after three days is going to be different than after one day, or after half a day, or just sitting down for a casual meal. So would yours be. And how much you eat would be different than how much I would eat. Wouldn't you say so? I would think so. 
So if I had four fish and I was full, you might have had one and were full because maybe you don't like fish. Or maybe you had ten fish and no bread because you don't like bread as much. Whichever. All I'm saying is we each eat different amounts. So Jesus is passing it out and everybody gets full. And all of a sudden, and this is awesome, there's no more to pass out because everybody's full. And Jesus doesn't say, go grab up the loaves I've made that are too many. He says, go grab the fragments. In other words, the pieces of bread that were broken and weren't eaten. So they didn't just, I don't know if you understand their society, they didn't take a piece of bread and start biting it off like that. That would be unclean because now their own lips had touched it makes the bread unclean. They break a piece off and eat it like this. They pull it off, kind of like if you're eating monkey bread, you pull pieces off. You don't grab the monkey bread and start gnawing on it. They pull pieces off and eat it like that. So there's fragments of bread that are clean bread because they're very clean people. And 12 baskets remain of it. How in the world did they get 12 baskets of leftovers? That's a lot of bread, isn't it? But among 5,000 plus people, not so much. Now here's the interesting thing. And one of the reasons I mention this is because of how wonderful Jesus is. There wasn't any fish left over. No fish. None. It was all gone. How did Jesus know how many each of those 5,000 plus people would eat of fish and not make too much or too little? It says they were satisfied with bread and fish so that they wanted no more. But somehow Jesus made too much bread but not too little or too much fish. Why or how in the world could he do that? Well, maybe the one who created the billions and millions of stars in the universe could also figure out how much fish 5,000 people would eat down to the ounce, down to the bite, that he knew. Maybe he knew that because he didn't want any leftovers. Of fish. Some people say it's because fish rots and it smells bad, and he didn't want to waste the precious living fish on the people. I have a different story on that, and and the reason I have a different story is because he didn't need fish left over; he needed bread left over. He needed twelve baskets of bread left over. Now you might have said, "Well, isn't that kind of random?" Well, is the exact amount of fish random? Or do you think maybe he really needed to know how many fragments could fill 12 baskets and make that much and keep making it and keep making it and keep making it so that's enough for everybody. You know, here's enough fragments to make 12 baskets. Do you think he thought that? I think he knew it, but I don't think he thought it. I think he knew it. I think he knew it. I think he saw it. And that that's what happened. When a few days later, he feeds 4,000, there are seven 
baskets of bread left over, and no fish left over again. He's pretty good, isn't he? I've fed a lot of folks in different places and times, but I've never made the right amount of meat. You ever cooked and you had just the perfect amount? I don't know how to do that. Not even with six people, let alone five or 5,000 or 4,000. Usually someone says, oh, I'm getting full. I can't eat that one. We had a cookout this past summer and I said, well, I'm just going to cook this up. I think it'll be enough for everybody. I had like twice too much. I wasn't even close. We had meat in the refrigerator. We had it nibble on for three, four days. But I wasn't upset with that. I thought, well, if there's extra, I'm going to stick it in the fridge. That's not what Jesus is going to do. He's not going to stick it in the fridge. He's not making extra fish. Now you're saying, well, what's that got to do with the price of tea in China, preacher, let alone my walk with Jesus Christ? We're getting there. I promise you we'll get there. You see, when he feeds the 4,000, there's a different scenario. They're along the sea. Right by it. The Galilean Sea. It's very close to the place where Jesus fed the disciples breakfast after his resurrection when he restored Peter. The only reason I know this is because I have an in-house official who's been there. In a year or so and change, I may be able to say that and say I've been there. But my wife told me they're real close to each other, those places. But they're along the sea. And they feed, he feeds the 4,000. And as soon as they're done, he says, collect up the fragments of bread. Again, no fish left over. Collects the seven baskets. And then he tells them this, get in the boat and go to the other side. <laughs> this is funny. And this is how I think, and I think you're going to appreciate this. this. This actually makes me smile. The disciples have eaten as well. They had eaten a few days ago, maybe a week or two before with 5,000, and they ate so much fish and bread, they were stuck. They couldn't eat anymore. Here it is again. They've eaten so much that they don't, can't eat anymore. They gather up seven baskets of bread, and they're not going, well, I want to take some with me, because they're full. I don't know about you, but when I go to an all-to-eat buffet, for the next two hours, I don't want to think about food. I don't want to think about eating a biscuit, let alone some gravy. None of it. So here they are. He says, get in the boat. And there's seven baskets they've collected. And they leave them there. I don't want to think about these seven baskets of bread. I'm sick of bread. I passed out 7,000 loaves today. I don't want to see bread. They take no bread out of the baskets with them. None. None. And they get on the boat. And Jesus starts talking. He says, guys, you need to be careful about the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. Leaven. It's what you make bread with. It's yeast, basically. What causes it to rise. Here they are thinking, oh my gosh, we didn't bring any of that bread with us. He's talking about bread. We don't have any leaven. We don't have any bread. What are we going to do? One of the scriptures says that they have one loaf in the boat. With them. That's it. One loaf. They actually had two if you look at Jesus. He's the bread of life. And so here they are. And they're saying amongst themselves, he's mad at us. (laughs) Because we didn't bring any of that bread with us. 
We had seven baskets and none of us brought a piece. He said, yeah, we were full. We didn't really want, you know, this is the conversation I think they're having, you know. Well, why didn't you bring, I was stuffed, man. I didn't want to see bread. He goes, yeah, me, I'm tired of carrying bread. I carried a whole basket myself when he fed the 5,000 and I helped you carry this basket this time. I didn't want to carry another basket of bread onto the boat. I figured if you wanted bread, you'd bring it. I didn't want bread. I'm sick of bread. And so this is the conversation I think is going on. And, and, and Jesus understands what they're thinking. thinking and he says, why do you think I'm talking about you didn't bring bread? How many basketfuls of bread did you have left over when I fed 5,000? And they said, 12. He said, how many basketfuls did you have left over when I fed 4,000? They said, seven. So why do you think I'm talking to you about not having enough bread? And one scripture says it was that moment when they realized Jesus wasn't talking about leaven to make bread. He was talking about the doctrine of the scribes and the Pharisees. But, one gospel doesn't say that. One gospel, where they had the one loaf, realize that Jesus can take one and make a thousand. Don't they? But here's the question I have for you. When they're standing on that boat, or maybe they're sitting and rowing, depending on what they're doing at the moment when Jesus is teaching them, why aren't they concerned that they haven't brought fish. Are they not fishermen? Of course they are. Some of them are. That's what they're called from. They're not concerned about whether or not they brought fish. They're worried about whether or not they brought bread. Well, we can catch fish. Can't catch bread. And Jesus, so, so patient, says... Listen. Listen to me again. And I'm going to repeat what he says because I think he had to do this. Okay. 5,000, 12 <coughs> baskets. 4,000, 7 baskets. Forget about the fish. Forget about whether or not you brought bread. Remember these two words 12 and 7. And zero fish. Because he's not wanting them to count baskets of fish. He's wanting them to count baskets of bread. Because Jesus is the bread of life. Focus on the bread, not the fish. That's what he's saying. You need to hear the bread story. (laughs) And 12 is a holy number. There were 12 disciples. 12 tribes of Israel in the perfection. 12 throne rooms in the kingdom of heaven, they would have known these things. Twelve was a completion of perfection of Israel. Seven is a holy number. Seven is also a number of completion. They would have known about manna from God in their Israelite wanderings. They would have known that bread came from heaven. And Jesus says to them, 
I am the bread that came from heaven. I am the bread. I feed you. I feed you myself. Here's what's interesting. In Matthew, where the story first takes place of the feeding of the 4,000, it's in chapter 15. If you scroll back to chapter 6, to the Sermon on the Mount, before he's ever fed a single multitude, he says to the disciples, pray like this. Give us today bread. Give us today bread. And it's not saying, God, I'm asking you to give me bread. The prayer is an acknowledgement that our bread comes from God. God, this day you give me my bread. This day I do not give me bread. I seek your bread that you give me. This is what daily bread is, what God provides. What you provide is not daily bread. What God provides is. And he had said that, and they couldn't connect that with the manna. When he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, all the bread left over, they couldn't connect that with that. So he says, I am the bread of life. Eat of the bread that I provide myself, and you will live. And they don't get that. They keep thinking it's about how they've fallen short of doing what Jesus has asked. Think about it for a moment. He says, beware of the leaven. Take heed. Watch out. Don't get caught up in the scribes and Pharisees stuff. And what was their leaven? What was their doctrine? Quite simply, their doctrine was... I have to be clean and spotless to the world so the world accepts me and thinks I'm godly. Countless times Jesus got on them for saying that they were holy because of what they did. Of what their public persona is. The outside life. True holiness is God on the inside transforming us from the inside out that we would be His holiness and His righteousness, not of ourselves. That He would save us and not of our own works or our own holiness, as Ephesians says, so that we can't brag about it. But the scribes and Pharisees are always saying, I thank God I'm not like those sinners over there. I tithe. I give alms. I do all these things, God, to show you how good I am. Jesus says, don't think like that. Think how good God is. Not how good I am. And you remember the story when the um, Pharisees praying like that and the other one, the publican, the tax collector, won't even look up at God beating his chest and says, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. He's not saying how good he is. He's saying how wonderful and merciful God is. When Jesus is talking to the disciples, he's not revealing the disciples' heart. He's revealing God's heart to them. God's heart is, I will feed you. If you have a little, you'll feed a multitude. It's a perfect God that can cause that to happen that way. 
The baskets of bread left over represent God's perfection and holiness. To me, the greatest miracle is that there was no fish left over. And you might say, well, how come? And it's because God is perfect and holy. He doesn't have too much. He doesn't have too little. He's not early. He's not late. Galatians talks about a fullness of time that God does things at the right moment. Not a second early, not a second late. Perfection. Do you believe God is perfect and holy in all His ways and in all His dealings and also in His dealings with you? Do you believe He's perfect with you and holy? Do you believe that He can do a lot with a little in your life? Well, let me ask you a question the disciples forget to answer. Where did bread come from? If you ask the disciples the first feeding, it was a sore. 200 denarii is not enough. Can't work 200 days and pay for this bread. We can't possibly do this. We, I, can't do this. You understand that they're looking at it from their perspective rather than God's. Jesus already knows what He's going to do. He already knows what He's going to do in your life. He just wants to know if you can get out of the way and let Him do it. <laughs> you going to let Him be the bread of life or are you going to try and do it yourself? And so, with that little scenario, the disciples don't ask Jesus, what are we going to get to fish? Why wouldn't fishermen ask God where to get fish? Because they think they can catch it themselves with some nets. That their nets and their hard work provide for the fish. So they're not worried about the fish they didn't bring. But they're worried about the bread they didn't bring because they can't catch it out of the sea. They have no ability to do it. They don't trust that God cares enough to provide the bare necessities, which is what barley bread was. It's a bare necessity. So since they can't provide it, then God is not able to either. (laughs) Isn't that how we think? I can't do it, and therefore God can't do it through me. There's no way for God to do this. Because I can't do it. Well, God can only do it when you can't do it. He's going to let you try until you finally give up and say, God, I can't do this. And God goes, thank you, now let me. Just like the story of Gideon. 10,000 men, too many. He needed 300 to fight 100,000. 300 know that God did it, not him. This is impossible, God. He says, well, throw your weapons down and use clay pitchers. Fight the army now. Go, 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 feed, go, go defeat ISIS with clay pitchers. Oh, that's impossible. Yes, it is, says God, for you. But you forgot who I am. I'm perfect and holy in all my ways. When I say you will succeed, you will. When I ask you to do something, I will not put you in a place to fail. I will not do that. What is your source of the bread of life for you? Where do you get your bread? What is life to you? Isn't it more than food? Jesus asks that. 
before he feeds the multitudes. Isn't life more than food and what you will wear, what you will uh, put on? Isn't it more than shelter? Isn't li- what is life to you? Is it the bare necessities? Survival? Or is there something else? Jesus says clearly he's bread. He also says, I am the way, the truth, and life. But then he puts it together. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. You can't have one without the other. The disciples are reasoning they have no bread with them. But Jesus is the bread. They don't see that. They don't believe that. They don't trust that. But they've seen it twice. Do you think Jesus will let his 12 closest friends starve to death as Lord of all creation? They thought it was their job. And so do we. But today at communion, I'm saying that Jesus has asked you to trust him, not you, not anybody else, for your sustenance. To lay your fears, your fears, your worries, your struggles, your questions at his feet and let him care for you. He says clearly in First Peter, he cares for you. But we're not used to that. We're used to someone caring for us with strings attached. And so the disciples think if I'm going to feed the multitude or I'm going to provide bread for the disciples, other disciples, I've got to do something or, or, or there's, there's a string attached and I can't eat. Or I'm going to do without. But Jesus is clearly saying, do you not understand I can make enough? And I know when to stop making so there's not too much fish. And I know when to stop making bread so that there's 12 exactly and 7 exactly. Do you not get who I am yet? I can do this. I am bread. Why are you making this about you instead of me, says Jesus? Why is our life so busy in this country and in this world talking about what's right for me, what's right for my family, and not talking about what's right for God and His kingdom first? Why are we so self-focused and self-reliant when Jesus says none of that matters? It's not life. That's survival. We're not looking at the perfection and holiness of God and His provision. We're looking at the lack. We're looking at what He hasn't done or what He won't do or what He thinks He can't do. But God is very clear today to say, I have enough for you. You have enough with what you have and I can provide what you need. So stop talking about what you need and start talking about what God's asking us to do. We have a mentality that says, here's how we used to do things and this is what life is about. This is what worked before. Let's keep doing it. But God says, I do new things. I spring up a new work. I'm trying to change this world with sing a new song. The old song says this, here I am, it's all about me. The new song says it's all about Jesus and who He is. And I'm going to focus on what He wants, what He's doing. And whatever happens to me, He'll take care of me. I trust Him. Whatever's getting in between you and trusting Jesus needs out of the way. 
Do you understand that all you need for eternity, He's provided it with the bread of life. And we celebrated in communion this morning. You've got all you need. You didn't forget something that God can't provide. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that says it's all about you. Do you catch this miracle now? Most people talk about it's the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. But I think it's about how the perfect number of bread loaves and the perfect number of fish were made to teach us that God can do all things. But you have to trust you and stop focusing on what you do. Now, I'm not saying don't do anything for the kingdom of God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is don't trust in your provision for God's kingdom. You can't provide yourself a way in there. He does. And once you get that right, the rest is details. And he'll take care of those too. As a matter of fact, he was real clear about that. He is the bread of life, he said, and he was clear. This isn't barley, by the way. It's sweet. One day we'll have barley bread, and we can see what they had that day. But this is wheat bread. This is the stuff of the wealthy people. This is the people who know where their sustenance is from. We know it's from Jesus. So he took the bread. This is both at that moment. He took it before the 5,000. He broke it. He also did it in the upper room, much like this. He broke it and gave thanks to God. So this is my body. This is broken for you. I am the bread of life. Eat this and remember me. Not you, me. Remember me. This is for me you're doing this. Because of me you can do this. And then after the supper was over, cup. We focus a lot on the blood, don't we? Blood of forgiveness, blood of the new covenant. Not the blood of new life. The old bread won't work. <laughs> you have to have both. The new life and the bread of life. And so Jesus blessed and gave thanks to God and said, this is my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. That he's always willing to drink it and remember me. And most people, when they come to communion, they want to remember themselves. How miserable they are. You're not miserable anymore in Christ. You're free. You're a new creation. You're fed. You're loved. You're cared for. You can trust it. And so when you partake today, I'm asking you this day to say, Lord, I keep putting things between you and me in the relationship and other things ahead of you. Today, as I partake, bring me back to the heart that knows I need you first. And I trust you, God. No matter what fears may crop up, I trust you.
If you're willing to do that today, I believe you'll be blessed in this community.